ladies and gentlemen, goobers and ghouls, dear listeners, welcome back to Fear Boners. Welcome back to Fear Boners, presented by the Down in Front Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and I am super jazzed to be back here with you all today to talk about another great little horror film that I was able to find suddenly thrown up on Amazon Prime Instant Viewing. I know I talked a lot about them in one of our last episodes, but the thing of it is they are on the sly dropping a whole lot of movies that I've really wanted to see and haven't been able to find anywhere And of course, you know, as always, I say, support the creators. And there's so much great content out there nowadays that sometimes if you lose track of things and you forget release dates and things like that, this one kind of flew under my radar. I remember hearing a lot about it in the festival scene with people just raving about it. And it kind of, I kind of lost track of it. And then when it popped up on my queue on Amazon Prime, I was like, hey, what a better time to watch this film and review it for the podcast. And we, of course, are talking about Possum from 2018. Now, uh, this movie, um, I was really excited about when I first watched the trailer a year or so ago. It just looked creepy as all hell. And parts of it were in black and white, and parts of it were in a really subdued, washed-out color palette. And the vibe of it was super creepy, and the the sound and the music and it was very tense and weird and I wasn't quite sure what it was all about Um, and I read a little bit about it before going into it but then I was surprised seeing the actual movie so before we get into it I do want to say right now if you haven't seen this movie I'm probably going to get into a bit a fair amount of spoilers there is a great twist at the end of the film that I'm probably going to get go a little bit further in depth into so if you would like to enjoy that rather than me spoiling it for you feel free to stop the episode watch it now if, especially if you have amazon prime you don't have a reason not to it's free with your subscription and check it out and then come back and listen to the rest of our episode but even before we jump into the episode that being said i'm just going to get into what i'm drinking and what i'm currently watching right now i'm drinking a lagunitas limited uh, I believe they call it the one-hitter or the one-shot of the year. They usually do super limited batches, but I found this at Trader Joe's, so I decided to try one. It's a 12 percenter. It's the Waldo Special Ale. I didn't know what to expect. I'm not a huge ale fan, especially IPAs. Not really my thing. But I figured I'd try this one because it looked intense, had a high alcohol rating, and also it was described as being a dank ale, which I thought was hilarious. And yeah, so far, you know, it's it's quite hoppy. Um, But it definitely does taste like a beer with a high alcohol content. And I would probably say it's pretty dank. Like, it's got a little, it's a little bitter, but it's a little sweet. And it's got a lot going on for it. I'm already feeling it a little bit. I'm about halfway through. So if you get a chance, if you find that, it's a super limited batch. I'd definitely jump on it. If you do see it, if you're around a Trader Joe's, they might have it in your area. And what I've been watching, we actually just put together a, a, a movie club at my office 
which I am sort of running, and I had a movie night the other night, and we all actually watched the new Ted Bundy movie that was released on Netflix, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, because I had previously watched the Bundy tapes and thought that was pretty cool. That was more of a documentary-style film. This one, though, is very uh, dramatic. It's basically based off of a book that was written by one of his main girlfriends and her sort of experience through when he's caught and how he evades it and how she's sort of in denial of him being this terrible, creepy murderer guy. She just, throughout the whole film, just kind of denies the fact that he is a serial killer. And you sort of see in parallel her reaction to things, how she deals with things, how she sort of doesn't believe anybody else and tries to be the one person in his side. And it's it's a frustrating film, ultimately, because it's just... Like, Zac Afron does a really great job as Ted Bundy, because he's just a, a total stuck-up asshole and probably the worst liar ever and just the fact that he so staunchly believes that he didn't do these things that he knows he in fact did it's just really like you're just banging your head throughout the whole movie there are some some fun little co-stars that pop up throughout the film um you know you've got James Hetfield from Metallica he plays a prison guard at one point you've got John Malkovich is the judge near the end of the movie who had like a weird kind of courtroom relationship with Ted Bundy um, you have one of the guys from the Big Bang Theory, Sheldon, is a lawyer at one point, and he's kind of weird and intense. I believe there's someone else. Oh, Haley Joel Osment has, like, a weird role where he plays kind of the guy that swoops in and picks up the broken pieces of Ted Bundy's ex-girlfriend. But I noticed that he's only, he's literally just credited as a co-worker, so he's not even a huge part. But it's just really funny to see him in the movie. But yeah, it's it's weird because... The, tr the the title of the film is based off of a quote from that judge at the end of the movie that John Malkovich plays, and ultimately we know that he gets convicted to death and all these things. You can't really spoil a movie that's based about history unless you really don't know what happened. I would definitely recommend people watch the Bundy tapes in tandem with this, either before or after you watch it, because it gives you like a better picture of the whole happening, because this is a very small chunk of it, and it's from a very particular point of view. So it's it's still very interesting. Um, I would say if you're into like murder podcast type stuff or serial killer stuff in general, it's definitely a good watch. Um, it was an interesting thing to watch in our office at work, because you definitely see Zac Efron's naked butt several times so that was fun but yeah so that's what i've been drinking and that's what i've been watching yeah so let's get into it uh like i said before what we're here to talk about today is a little film called possum uh if you don't know about it it is basically a creepy little kind of sleepy festival hit that i kind of keep remembering that it was in black and white but it definitely wasn't because it's just in such a a subdued dark, dank kind of mute palette and the the characters there's there's a very small cast. The main character is played by Sean Harris, who, if you're not familiar with the name, he plays one of the guys who's been in a lot of the recent Mission Impossible movies. He plays one of the bad guys, I believe, the guy who like the crazy dude who drives Tom Cruise's character nuts, basically. He's the big terrorist dude, I, I think, if I remember correctly. But the one thing that 
I didn't realize that I was super pumped about after watching this movie is that this was written and directed by Matthew Holness. And if that name's not familiar to you, it should be. He was Garth Marenghi in a little show called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which I'm surprised if I haven't talked about it on the show before, but if you haven't seen it, you should go out of your way to find it. It was a limited... I don't know if it was always planned as a limited series, but it was on Channel 4 in the UK, and it is this great series that basically makes fun of horror writers and horror TV from the 80s, 70s and 80s, and it basically frames it as this character, Garth Marenghi, who's like a Stephen King-esque horror writer of some fame, but who's kind of a total idiot and not a very good writer, gets basically the offer to pitch his own television series and he did it years ago but then it got canned before it ever saw the light of day and then the presentation of it is the 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 channel actually came back to him and was years later and was like actually we'd we would like to show the show and so every episode is introduced by his character with little vignettes of him and other actors playing actors in the show and it's really it's it's really funny he has like this strange hp lovecraft bent where you see stuff and it's described really weird and character interactions are really jaunty and he plays like a roughneck doctor who always saves the day and gets the girl and all this like everything's too good for him and like but at the same time literally like there's there's witches holding seances there's people exploding and there's cycloptic babies and telepathic cats and all this other crazy goofy ass shit and it's very, like, if you just love British television in general, you'll probably really get a kick out of it because the humor and sensibilities and horror and everything are very along the same lines. But it's one of my favorite short form Channel 4 series. So if you get a chance, check out Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. But anyways, that gentleman is now written and directed this movie, which is a very different experience because it's very dark and it's very dramatic. And like I said before, if you haven't seen it yet, stop now, watch the movie, come back, because we are going to get into spoiler territories, because right now I'm going to start telling you about the film itself. So, in Possum, we are introduced to a character named Philip, who is wandering around, he's got a bag. It's sort of very much stream of consciousness at first, because there's a little bit of a, if I remember correctly, there's a monologue, there's some poetry, it's very much like the Babadook that way, because there's this poetry that keeps coming back that was the story that we find out later that was read to him to sort of scare him as a child about the possum and one of the things that's repeated several times is oh possum can you spy him deep within little possum black as sin like little weird kind of creepy things like that and he keeps repeating them and he has these dreams where that comes up and there's this image of this monster and we don't really know, you don't ever clearly fully see it throughout the beginning of the film. But then we find out that Philip is a children's entertainer. But while he's walking around town, people are avoiding him. People are looking at him funny. And you don't know what might have gone on or what's happening. And he keeps having these strange interactions with people. And there's one point, like, it's just really creepy and foreboding. Like, you think something either has already happened that's terrible or is going to happen that's terrible. And that's just the vibe that sets in and is throughout the entire film. 
And basically what we're led on is this crazy psychological trip down memory lane where it's the setup is that he is a children's entertainer. Yes, he's a puppeteer, but something terrible has happened during his last performance. And so basically he can't get a job and he's not hired anymore because people, whatever happened, it's not really ever identified, but it's leaned into very heavily that whatever happened during his last performance, essentially nobody would ever want to have him perform or be around children ever again. And so with that, he's basically wandering around with this giant bag that we realize is actually his puppet, which is Possum. And so he keeps having these dreams and these recurring visions of Possum escaping the bag. We know slowly but surely the monster builds, the puppet builds. We don't see it much at first, but we know that it definitely has long, spindly, creepy-ass spider legs that keep sort of poking out of the bag and you're not sure if this is him hallucinating because you get a vibe that he probably is a bit unstable and he might have some things going on and at this point you don't know if what he's seeing is actually happening or if it's just a hallucination and then we're introduced to this other character is it Maurice I believe it's Maurice and Philip walks to this house that looks like it's abandoned. It's all overgrown and the windows are boarded over and it just like windows are broken and it just looks like an abandoned house. And he walks in and there's a, a he drops his stuff in a room that you assume is his room. And but the house is just in very very various phases of disrepair and it just looks like it's about to fall apart at any moment. He walks in the kitchen and here's Maurice. And they keep having these weird kind of heart-to-heart -heart moments where they talk, but like you can tell he doesn't really want to talk to him. You can tell Philip is uncomfortable talking to Maurice, but Maurice keeps trying to engage him in these conversations about what's going on. Have you heard the news? Sorry to hear what happened with your last performance, all these things. But there is, again, another layer of this weird, awkward terror between the two, and it's not identified. You don't know why. You don't know what's going on there, but it's there. At this point, we have another interlude where Philip leaves the house to go somewhere. He always has the bag with him, and he realizes in between he's having these dreams, these menacing dreams of the puppet, possum, trying to escape the bag. So then it seems like Philip is on a mission to destroy the puppet, and we're not sure if that's because he knows the puppet's evil or if he thinks that the puppet is potentially what lost him the job. Because then, from me at least, I believe that maybe he created this puppet, he thought the puppet was too scary and maybe that's what ruined his career or that's what made him blacklisted as a child's entertainer is that he had this creepy-ass puppet. So he was going to try to, like, get rid of it. Then there's basically not even a montage. Most of the movie is him going around trying various different ways to destroy the puppet. He tries to lose it. He tries to throw it into the water at a water treatment plant. He tries to burn it. He tries to bury it. He tries to do all this shit. He's traveling around. And at one point... He's on a bus or a train, and there's these boys, and he keeps looking at one of the boys, like, in a weird way, and the boy notices, and then he asks him, because he noticed the boy's drawing, oh, what are you drawing? But in his weird, creepy way, like, Philip is always kind of creepy, and it's almost, you feel a little bad, because you don't think he's creepy at first, you think he's just socially inept or a little bit awkward, but then throughout the film, he gets creepier and creepier, and it gets more and more, like, you're not sure who to root for. Not that you're rooting for anybody, but you're not sure who you want to care for in this movie. Because then, a few scenes later, after 
they have that strange interaction and he tries to get rid of the puppet a few more times but the puppet keeps coming back no matter what he does we find out that that kid that he saw and talked to on the bus or the train has disappeared mysteriously and there's been a string of child disappearances so now we're realizing putting things together oh shit what what is philip doing or what is Philip thinking the puppet's doing that he's actually... Like, in my head, I was trying to put these things together and thinking, like, oh, he thinks the puppet's doing it, but it's really him. Or something's happening where the puppet's controlling him and, like, he's trying to, like, break free and he doesn't want to do these things. But he sort of sometimes seems like he does. But then every once in a while, he'll go home. And then that's when we're sort of introduced to the strange relationship between Philip and Maurice. And there is another room in the house... Because there's basically a living room, kitchen, bathroom, and then upstairs there's like a, a bedroom and a bathroom. And then there's another room off to the side of the living room that Philip keeps trying to get into. And every time Philip tries to go in there, Maurice tries to make a big deal out of it. He's like, oh, you, you finally going to go in? You are going to go in? Okay. And it never happens. Like, it almost seems like the door is boarded up or there's something keeping him from going in that room. But you know that something's in that room that he wants to see or confront or, like, do. And it just keeps not happening every time Maurice sort of talks him out of it or teases him so that he doesn't go in there and again Philip he's not only just trying to find ways to dispose of the puppet but he's also trying to find ways to figure out what happened to these kids so he's going through all these great locations like there's at one point he's in a an abandoned army barracks and that's really creepy and there's security looking for him and at one point after a while when he's like in this weird beach where he tries to abandon the puppet but it keeps coming back. At one point, he dumps it in over a bridge, and then he loses his mind or he blacks out, and then you don't know what he's doing during these blackout periods, but then he wakes up in his bed, and the puppet's just right next to him. So it just seems like he has this strange emotional attachment to the puppet. But at one point, he's actually listed as the main suspect in the child disappearances because... For some reason, he keeps going back to the school that he went to as a child, and he just stands outside the school and waits and, like, looks until the principal or someone comes out and asks him to leave. It's very, like I said, it's very much stream of consciousness, so sometimes some of these scenes jump around, but they'll come back to you later when you realize, oh, shit, that's why he was identified as a suspect, because he sort of acts like a creep. He hangs out at schools when he doesn't have kids there. And he says he wants to talk to the principal, and the principal's not there anymore, but he wants to just talk to a teacher that he knows. And it just gets really... You you can't tell his motivations besides trying to get rid of the puppet. Why does he blame the puppet if you think that it's him who's doing these things? What does Maurice have to do with all this? And then there's this one moment where Philip tries to burn the puppet. And it almost seems like he does. He basically throws... Like, Maurice is in the back, in the backyard having a drink or something and he's by like a giant drum like a like an oil drum that has a fire in it and they have a talk where maurice talks about like oh did you hear about the boy missing this isn't the first time it happened this happened when you were a kid like this happened a while back remember when that happened and he starts getting really nervous and he has the thing in the bag and he just throws the puppet in the fire and then uh maurice is talking to philip later in the kitchen and this is where we have the introduction of the idea of these weird like gumballs or gumdrops or something maurice knows that philip is really nervous and like really agitated about something and so he tells him he should have one of those and that's where for me i started putting things together because that's that's a little weird and he didn't want to do it at first but then when it sort of comes to the head where 
yeah, the cops are looking for him because there's a couple times where the cops come to the house looking for him. And the one time where he's at the abandoned army barracks, he's sort of not directly chased around, but there's people, there's tighter security in that area looking for him or looking for someone. And he goes back there to try to find the puppet at that point, because at one point he does manage to get rid of the puppet and it doesn't come back. And that's when he gets nervous because now he thinks the puppet's doing whatever it wants to do. At this point also, it has been revealed what the puppet is because it's a slow reveal over time throughout the different nightmares he has and the visions he has. We see the legs are coming out of the bag. The one time he tries to abandon it in the, the woods, he has the vision where it sort of pulls itself out of the bag. But basically it is this giant, like human-sized spindly spider creature with all this fur all over it but then it has a stark white mannequin head sticking out the front of it so a human like a human-like head with big open piercing eyes and i believe its mouth is kind of a gape a little bit too i don't even know how you would puppet a thing like this that's the, that's the thing of it it looks like it has like a weird maybe like a hand hold in the back or something you can do with it but i don't know how like you never really actually see him do anything with it like he never actually puppets it at all but we do at one point have this conversation between philip and maurice in the basement or like a different part of the house where it's like maurice's room and maurice's room is sort of filled with books and there's poetry about the possum and like you sort of realize you start to start building the pieces of how maurice and philip are related because they had this argument at one point where Maurice keeps trying to calm him down and tell him he doesn't have to worry. And then he starts talking to him about puppetry. And he says, he's like, oh, well, like, just like your dad. And then he snaps at him and said, but you're not my dad. And that's when you realize, because at first you think he is. But then when that happens, you're like, oh, shit. But you realize that he lived in the house. So he is a family member. And so while these things go on, shit gets weirder and weirder. And Philip keeps getting more and more unbalanced because he doesn't know what's going on. And now the cops are after him. And then slowly Maurice starts to even turn against him and make him think that he's the one that's making these kids and all disappear. And you, the viewer, are just really kind of all over the place because first you thought maybe it was just an evil puppet. And then now you're thinking maybe it's a weird child predator. And then you're like, why am I watching this movie? It's so dark and creepy and weird. And like, I didn't know what I got myself into at this point. It's not funny like you would expect from this guy from Garth Marenghi. If you knew that going in, you'd be like, maybe it would be a little funny. It's not funny at all. It's just really dark and really serious and really creepy. This would be what the contemporary Garth Marenghi would write. But then, uh, essentially, as Philip starts teetering over into insanity essentially because he's so he's so lost with everything going on he just starts having more visions and as philip gets more and more nervous because the walls are closing in the cops are getting closer and he even he starts to believe that he's the one who is responsible for these child disappearances he just he basically breaks down and one of the last times he goes home, he's also trying to find Maurice, who has disappeared at one point, because then it seems like maybe the puppet has just gone full off the rails and is just disappearing or killing everybody involved with him. So he's getting very concerned, and he's losing all touch with reality at this point. He goes back to his home, and there's a great scene where he's thinking about opening the door, the door that I mentioned earlier, the door that he gets very close to opening. There's a few scenes where he almost opens that door in the living room 
of the house before Maurice stops him or something happens to get him to like shy away from opening that door because he seems afraid of opening that door. He finally opens the door after seeing what was in in the basement in Maurice's room and after having those conversations with Maurice and looking around and putting the facts together, he goes into the room and it's a bedroom, but it's very dirty and disheveled and you can tell it almost looks like there was a fire in the room and there's nothing like besides you know uh, uh, some piles of garbage and some other things and there's like almost a cage or something in the corner and then he's looking around and you see that there's a bed I believe or there's like the shape of a bed and what looks like the silhouettes of a couple bodies in the bed and he's going to examine it when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of the other corner of the room, shape a figure leaps out and attacks Philip from behind. And we realize that it's Maurice. And they have this bizarre exchange because he's attacking him and hitting him and almost like walloping him with his belt, I believe, at that point. But then Philip's already kind of blubbering and snot and tears and he's just already terrified that Maurice is attacking him and Maurice is saying all these derogatory things and saying he's like Philip's never been good enough and of course he'd want to come into mommy and daddy's room and you know there's nothing left of them and it just seems like yeah so what we're finding out now is this is Philip's parents room but apparently they died in a fire and their bodies are still there in the room or the ashes of their remains are still there in the room and the door was just sealed up and Philip never went in there. But we find that his uncle Maurice took care of him after his parents were gone and sort of took over the house and just became like the parent figure for Philip. And then it's at that point where we find that their relationship was not a very healthy or good one at all because then through the conversation they have we find out that it was a very abusive relationship Maurice basically insists that Philip needs to take down his pants so that he can teach him a lesson and he starts spanking him and then it's very heavily implied that other terrible things went on between Maurice and Philip so definitely uh, any sort of trigger warning there if that sort of stuff makes you uncomfortable or you're not here for it. It's a great element in this story. It's the twist at the end of the movie I was mentioning where we find out that the bad guy the whole time is in fact Uncle Maurice who is just this crazy, awful, creepy uncle who has just gone off the rails. We're, we can assume that he potentially murdered the parents by setting them on fire so that he could have the house and he could have Philip. He's basically completely tormented Philip his entire life and either drove him to do these awful things or given him these terrible emotional scars. And then we also realize part of Uncle Maurice's terrible habits and the way that he treated and abused Philip was the fact that he would threaten him with his long spindly fingers. And this is where we realize that Possum, the spider puppet with the creepy pale face and the long spider fingers, is in fact Philip's translation of his experience of being abused by Uncle Maurice, which is horrible and terrible and just makes everything that much more creepy. And in the moment, finally, something that Uncle Maurice says to Philip, he snaps and sort of defends himself. And I think he hits him with a, a something, knocks him back and sort of starts beating the hell out of him. 
uh, enough to to get him out of the way. I don't believe he kills him, but he does subdue him in a way where he runs off. There's no real resolution there, which is unfortunate. Um, I don't believe he kills him. But then we also do see in the corner that cage or the thing that was huddled in the corner is the kid who has disappeared. So he's still alive. He's still fine and basically still terrified because he doesn't know. We still don't really necessarily know if he was abducted by Uncle Maurice or if Maurice was somehow manipulating Philip because we also realized that those little candies that Uncle Maurice kept giving Philip were some sort of drug. And he remembered those as having been given them as a child, and now he's still taking them as an adult when he gets has these bizarre panic attacks. And so Uncle Maurice was drugging Philip. We don't know if that was to control him into doing what he wanted, or if it was a weird way to, to knock him out while he did what he wanted. So that part wasn't quite clear to me, but at the end of the day, the kid was alive, the kid was there, and Philip sees him and says, run, get out of here. He tries to help him, but then the kid, of course, is scared and runs away. And that is sort of where the movie ends. In the last five, ten minutes, we get that really bizarre twist where we find out it's creepy Uncle Maurice having abused and just broken poor Philip, turning him into this very just bizarre, awkward human being, unfortunately just built up in that terrible environment where he then projected all of his experience out through this puppet and sort of affected the entire community either through his doings or like in a weird bizarre way he was covering up for his uncle Maurice which he just couldn't address he couldn't address the fact that his parents were still dead in the house there's a lot to handle in this film towards the end that for some people it might fall apart the actual narrative might fall apart because there are a lot of holes but it's just creepy enough that I would say that this movie as a whole is very successful it does feel very long and drawn out at times like there were parts of the movie where I got a little bit lost but then for it to come back around at the end and serve this bizarre twist ending I give it I give it props it's very reaching but it's very successful in its execution because it's just so so utterly creepy and so bizarre and so weird and kind of refreshing because I don't feel like I've seen a movie quite like this in a while. I would definitely recommend checking it out. Like I said, if you have an Amazon Prime membership, it's free to stream uh, right now up there. And yeah, just be prepared. It is a very heavy movie. It'll take you a lot of different places. It'll make you think a lot of different things. It does a great way of kind of twisting and turning and providing the facts. And it's sort of a mystery wrapped in a horror movie with puppets, which is always fun and just... A very bizarre narrative. So, that being said, that is Possum, and I highly recommend it. It's a good one. It's a good, uh, creepy late night watch. So, yeah. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been a quick little fear boner presented by the Down and Front podcast. I've been your host, Andrew, and thank you so much for tuning in and listening this week. And if you like what you've heard, you can find more over on downinfrontpodcast.com. We also have a Facebook page over on facebook.com backslash downinfrontpodcast. You can also email the Down in Front guys directly at thecrew at downinfrontpodcast.com. 
We also have a YouTube channel where we post some of our video teasers as well as full episodes. You can look for us on there. We also have the Gamescast over on Twitch where sometimes you'll see Bryland or maybe Warren and myself playing some Monster Hunter or Spider-Man or what have you, just shooting the shit. You can find that over at twitch.tv backslash downinfrontpodcast. We also have an Instagram where we post a lot of the art from our episodes, the title pages, as well as links directly to the episodes. You can follow us there to keep you up to date. All of these places, as well as Twitter at underscore DIFP or at Fearboners DIFP, we will constantly keep you updated with new content when we release new things. Or you can also go back and look at our back catalog. We're well over 100 episodes at this point, so there's so much listening for you. If it's a new movie, if it's an old movie, classic movie, we have an episode for you at this point that you're probably going to want to listen to if you haven't already heard it. And also, 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 you guys have heard me say this a few times already, but it goes without saying, we love you. We love having this ongoing conversation, and we do it absolutely for free. But if for any reason you feel like you'd love to contribute and help us make sure that we get this content out to you on time, then take a look over at Patreon at patreon.com backslash down in front podcast. You can potentially sign up to uh, dedicate a dollar, five dollars a month, what have you. Even a dollar helps. Like an Arizona iced tea, the price is on the can. Every little bit helps us to get this content out to you on time, fresh and delivered to your ears, whether it be on your lunch break, on your commute to work, from work, what have you. We'd love to have you listen to us wherever you are, even if it's on the toilet. That doesn't bother us. Just don't tell us about it. So anyway, thanks again for listening. We'll be back sooner rather than later. And as always, keep it creepy and stay spooky, dear listeners. Mm-hmm.